Hello, welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell. We are in our Catechism Saturday series, walking through the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day number four, and today's topic and theme is justice. But before we get started in this week's episode, make sure you've tuned into this past Monday, season six, Introduction to Reform Theology, episode 24, we reposted our conversation with Dr. Julius Kim, who's former professor of Westminster Seminary, California, and president of the Gospel Coalition, on preaching the law and the gospel, and how crucial it is for us to distinguish those and show us how they point us to Christ and its fulfillment of the law on our behalf. And this past Thursday's Book Club episode with Dr. Daniel Trier of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, on his Zondervan academic book in the New Studies in Dogmatics series, The Lord Jesus Christ, a study, exegetical, historical, theological, creedal, a study on the doctrine of Christ. So let's get started. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 4 on justice. And we have three question answers in today's episode. Question 9. But doesn't God do man an injustice by requiring in his law what man is unable to do? No. God created man with the ability to keep the law. Man, however, at the instigation of the devil, in willful disobedience, robbed himself and all his descendants of these gifts. Question 10. Will God permit such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? Certainly not. He is terribly angry with the sin we are born with as well as our actual sins. God will punish them by a just judgment both now and in eternity, having declared, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. And lastly, question 11. But isn't God also merciful? God is certainly merciful, but he is also just. His justice demands that sin committed against his supreme majesty be punished with the supreme penalty, eternal punishment of body and soul. Now, I want, to speci- I want to talk specifically to those who have a hard time with biblical justice and who champion, and I think rightfully so, human justice or, or horizontal justice and think that there's somehow some, some discontent, there's some disconnect between human and divine justice. And we'll... we'll We'll standardize God's justice by our own justice. I think this first question gets into it. If man is born good and then corrupts himself, and then God says, hey, keep this law, how on earth is it good or is it right for God to do this? And it's not because man isn't unable to do so. His corruption means that he's incapable of doing so, but not unable to do so. That he's so corrupt that we have so corrupted ourselves that we cannot abide by the rule of the law. But we have, if this makes sense, the capacity to do so. We were created with the capacity to do so, and that we have fallen to sin. And so our sinful nature does not allow us because what we want to do is what we've trained ourselves to do, which is to sin, because we love sin. And so, as the end of this question is, we robbed ourselves and descendants of these gifts. So it's not due to God's injustice, it's due to our incapability to do this. We were created with the ability to keep the law, and we lost that ability after the fall. And so we still, you can say, 
this is a capability in the sense that man has the capability, not in and of himself, but he is created with this capability. But we have lost this capability. That's not God's fault. That is our fault. So God's not at injustice for forcing us, you can say, to abide by the law because it is not his fault we lost this ability. This is our fault we lost this ability. Which brings us to questions 10 and 11. And this goes much more to the justice crowd. And I'm not juxtaposing the justice crowd from Christians who are not justice crowd. I'm, I'm much more zeroing on all those who have the right desire, the right inclination for justice, and sometimes say, why does God have to punish these things? But we all have that innate desire, that innate gut instinct, when things aren't punished, that we want them to be punished. And if somebody is not punished, we wonder who's going to get them. Are they going to get their comeuppance? Are they going to come to the brunt of the law? And here we get in question 10, will God let this go unpunished? We can even look at our world and say, God, what are you waiting for? What are you doing? And sometimes non-Christians, if you're listening, you have a hard time with Christians because you ask, well, if God loves justice so much, then what on earth is happening with all this injustice in the world. And we can rightfully and confidently say that we, we may see God's true justice meted out in this old creation world before the second coming of Christ. We see peaks of it to be sure when man is rightly upholding the just law and we see God's justice coming through, peaking through as it were. But we can confidently say that no action in this world will not be judged at the coming of Christ. That everything that we see in this world will be turned right, will be judged by God. And so, yes, we don't see everything, you can say, under the subjection of his law in a temporal sense, as if everything is judged here and right now. But we can be rest assured that it will be judged. And so we can honestly say, yeah, your inclination is absolutely right. This should be judged. There's no question about it. And we have confidence that when Christ comes back, it will be judged. And then sometimes we will look at God's mercy and say, well, can't God just have mercy? And to be honest, this tends to come from Christians, whether of the progressive bent or sometimes the conservative bent or the liberal bent, whatever it may be but we'll juxtapose his mercy against his justice. We're uncomfortable with justice. We're uncomfortable with God's judgment because we, we sometimes don't think it's all that bad. But that's why at the end of this question, it says his justice demands that sin committed against his supreme majesty. So it's if something is committed against something else, the judgment must be commensurate with the one who's wronged and the thing that is wrong, the thing that wrongs that one who is wronged. So the sin committed against the supreme majesty be punished with the supreme penalty, eternal punishment of body and soul. A sin committed against an infinite, immortal, supreme God deserves that supreme punishment above all else. So it is the one who is wronged, that is what defines the punishment. And it's also the pun it's all also it's also the sin which is punished. A sin against an immortal God deserves an infinite justice, an infinite God 
meets out infinite justice because he himself is infinite. And it can't meet out justice that's not infinite. The same thing for our deliverance, which we'll get into next week. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, walking through Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day number four on justice. Make sure you tune into this upcoming Monday's season six, Introduction to Reformed Theology, episode 25, with Reverend Eric Landry, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Austin, Texas, and also Solimedia Whitehorse Inn on the Reformed Church Government. It is the best episode we've ever had on explaining, understanding Reformed Presbyterian Church Government for those who don't know what it is. And this upcoming book club Thursday episode with Dr. Peter Williams, who is principal of Tyndale House Cambridge, which is a research group in Cambridge at Cambridge University, on his new Crossway book, The Surprising Genius of Jesus, which is the most fascinating look at the prodigal son story, actually the prodigal son's story in Luke 15. I hope to see you guys next week.